the cosmos is cold, capricious, and cruel. But God is love. Nature is bloody in both tooth and claw, but God is love. The mountaineer's axiom is true. The mountains don't care, but God is love. And that's why I pray to God, not the universe. But is creation not also part of God's revelation? If the heavens declare God's beauty, don't they also declare His cold indifference? No. Creation reveals the power, the majesty of God, but to reveal the love of God, the Word must become flesh. We need the full revelation of God. We need Jesus. Furthermore, God is not incarnate, and incarnate means God wrapped in flesh, the invisible God made visible. God is not incarnate in mountains. He's not incarnate in oceans, supernovas, and black holes. God is incarnate in Christ and in Christ alone. And by God, I mean the God who is fully revealed in Jesus Christ. Jesus, the one who came to earth, born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, taught, loved, healed, was crucified, dead, and buried. Jesus, the one we call the risen one. For without the resurrection, there is no Christianity. And we are to be pitied above all people. The reason that Christianity is insistent upon a literal, not symbolic, bodily resurrection is because it happened. And if it didn't, Christianity wouldn't be true. The resurrection changes everything. So let's go to um, Mark's account where we first hear what happened, where we first find out what was discovered. Mark chapter 16, if you will, starting at verse 1. When Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome bought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Verse 2, very early on, the first day of the week, Jesus, um, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb. Verse 3, and they asked each other, who who will roll the stone away? from the entrance of the tomb. What are we going to do? Four. But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled away. Five. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Six. Don't be alarmed. He said, you're looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. He has risen. He's not here. See? This is the place where they laid him. Seven. But go tell his disciples and Peter. He's going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just just as he told you. Verse 8, trembling and bewildered, the women went out and they fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. So, 
These women met an angel. And the words of an angel, as I'm sure that you can imagine, are important. I mean, how often have you heard words from an angel to be unimportant? They are important to the original audience, to Mary, Mary, and Salome. But they are also important for all those who stumble upon those words uh, afterwards. The same words that were originally given. Important for the people who originally heard them. Important for those who come upon them now. Go back again, if you will, to verse 6. Don't be alarmed, he said. You're looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. Verse 7. But go tell his disciples and Peter. Just stop there for a second. Wasn't Peter, one of the disciples? Go tell his disciples and Peter. At this moment, everything that was known is being remade. Everything. When they got up in the morning, those women had a job in mind. We've got to go and wrap the body. We bought spices because the men didn't do a very good job the other day. We've got to do it right. Jesus deserves to have his body interred properly. We've got to do it right. They fully expected Jesus to be dead and to be in the tomb. Go tell his disciples and Peter. Where did we leave Peter? Peter had what he thought just cemented his legacy. I'm the guy who betrayed Jesus. He told me I would. I told him, not a chance, man. Not going to happen. No matter what, I'll never betray you. Minutes, hours later, he did it. And he didn't do it once. He did it multiple times. Peter is not considering himself to be a disciple anymore. Peter is separate from that group now. In his mind, he is not there. He's broken. Not only did I betray him in his hour of need, but now the whole thing is over. It's all done. Everything that I'd given my life for for the last three and a half years, it's all done. None of it matters anymore. Jesus is dead. He's not who I thought he was. And now what do I do? But he was like my best friend, and I followed him, and I honored him, and then I botched it. That last moment, I messed up. How can I ever be forgiven? I've messed up. What I know about religion tells me that I'm done for. That's what I know about religion. I know Jesus taught some other stuff. I know that Jesus was there, and he showed his grace, and he did miracles, and, and, and I was amazed by him. And, but how could he ever forgive me? See, I, I, I think Peter is such an important character mostly because I think I mess up a lot, and so I like to have someone in the Bible who's on my side. Um, Jesus is great. Jesus is perfect. That's hard to live up to. It's hard to hit that day after day. Peter, up and down. Oh, man, he means well. Do you, do you mean well? 
wasn't that what you meant? You meant to do it well? Isn't that what you tried to do? I mean, you didn't set out to do things that would destroy your life. You didn't set out to have bad relationships. You didn't plan on getting yourself miserably and horribly into debt. You didn't think about doing that. But that's where we live. That's where we are. That's what we're in the midst of. Go tell the disciples and Peter. I just think that part is incredible, and I wanted you to be able to have that one too, that in this moment when everything is being renewed, everything that they thought they knew is being undone and remade, in that moment it was clear that there was relationship implied. Go get the disciples and Peter. Don't forget about Peter. I don't want him to miss. I don't want him to not know what's about to happen. So we have these key phrases from an angel, and I want you to be able to hear them. So we have the first one as the ladies uh, approached was, do not be alarmed. And uh, we, we've heard this before. The, the reason why angels, the first thing that they say almost every time is, don't be alarmed. The reason they say that is because you are in the midst of being alarmed. They are alarming in presence. And the context is a little weird for these ladies too. Don't be alarmed. But there's so much more in that. And if you can remember, as we talked about follow, do you remember follow? And we said that there was a place that Jesus was pointing, that all of his teaching, what, what, what came up to again and again, if we're supposed to follow Jesus, where is it that we are supposed to get to? It's not just follow. There's, there's a destination that we're going to. And the destination that we talked about was to be able to live in this world, in this time, without fear. He said it again and again. Don't be afraid. Why are you so afraid? Stop being afraid. You don't need to fear. Fear not. He said it again and again and again. And in this message right now, the angels give us the same thing. Don't be alarmed. Don't fear. Do not fear, that reminder that came back. That's what Jesus said. He said it to us all the time, that there was a way to be in connection with the Heavenly Father that would empower me to live regardless of circumstances. Even when the boat is sinking, I could live there without fear. They're reminded of it right away. The second thing, you're looking for Jesus. That's why you're here. I know why you came. You're looking for Him. He was worth getting up early, buying spices for, and coming back to find. That's who you're looking for. And there's something in that search that I think we get to relate to as well. Your ultimate longing is for God. And here, the word God becomes confusing for people who are outside of church lingo because there's so many pictures, so many assumptions that come with the word God. Here we can mean God the Father. We can mean God. But if we're Christian, we have a Trinitarian view. We believe in the Trinity. We believe that God is the Father, that God is the Son, that God is the Spirit, all at once, all at the same time, so when you seek after Jesus, you're seeking after God. When you look for God the Father, you're seeking after God. When you're trusting in the Holy Spirit, you're, you're seeking God the Spirit. We're seeking God the whole time. God is the one who changes everything. 
God, God is the one who set it in motion. The plan of the Father, by the, um, the will of the Son, empowered by the Spirit, this is how things get done. And they continue to be done in the same way. Your ultimate longing is for Jesus. But here, you can't find Him because He is risen. Yeah. He's risen. We get kind of into calendar-based scheduling, right? I'm sure you're like this. Either you've got a paper calendar or a digital calendar, and you look at that calendar, and the calendar tells you that there was a good Friday. I mean, if you've got, you got a special calendar, it told you there was a Monday Thursday. Then it told you there was a good Friday. Then it said there was a holy Saturday. Then it said there was Easter Sunday. And then it said Easter Monday. And the next day says nothing. He is risen applies on all the days in the calendar, whether or not they have a special note on them or not. And the, the, the traditional way to celebrate resurrection is not on a day, it's for a season. But that season spices all of the seasons. But it's supposed to linger. Resurrection matters, and it matters over time. Not just, that was a good day, check. That was the season, check. We looked for eggs, check. It's all done. Now let's move on. That's not the way it works because He is risen means that there is victory over death. Anybody here had any death in their life? It changes things. And all that we really know about death is that it's the end. That one, those ones are gone, and we have the ache in us for the relationship that once was but can be no more. Some of us have the thought of death on our horizon. We're concerned about it. What about death? The story of Jesus, the resurrection reminds us that there is victory even over death. If for Jesus, then His promise was then also for us. It becomes possible. Hope in the midst of the greatest foe, the greatest adversity that any of us can ever face. Hope in the midst of that. Hope for yourself, but hope for those others also. He is risen. There is victory over death. What feels like the end is no longer the end. Living in light of that changes the way you go about it. not so that you can become reckless, but so that you can live with hope in the midst of hard things. He is risen. The fourth thing that the angel said, and I think this one, this one is, is a great way to sum it all up. Just as he told you. He told them, the Son of Man will suffer, be betrayed, turned over to his enemies, and he will be killed. And on the third day, he will rise again. He told them. And in this case, he also told them he's going to meet them in Galilee. He told them. I said this is what was going to happen, and they go, yeah, dude, I remember you saying it, but I didn't, 
I didn't think of it like that. Like, I didn't think you were actually going to die. None of them did. That's why we say there were no Christians on Holy Saturday. After Good Friday, there was not a single Christian in the world. There was not a single believer anywhere. They were all convinced that death is the end. Once you die, you stay dead. There's just no way around that. We don't think that because they lived in an ancient time, they don't have a brain like we have a brain. Death was final. They saw it more up-to-date, more up-in-color, fully on than we ever see death. And they thought Jesus was dead, just as He told you. He's not here. He's risen, just as He told you. We take from that not only that there's victory over death, not only that Jesus is powerful, but that He is trustworthy. He said it. He did it. He promised. He fulfilled. I said this is what would happen. This is what happened. So in your life, when you have a promise that was given by Jesus, He is trustworthy. He is the truth. He is the way. He is the truth. And He is the life that empowers us to live in the midst of whatever it is that we have to live in the midst of. And there is plenty that we have to live in the midst of. For every person, there's at least 50 stories of what they have to live in the midst of. Our stories are not the same. But we are all living in the midst of something. But Jesus is trustworthy. What He promised... He will be faithful to. I don't know that you're going to get a, a better deal somewhere else. I don't know that there's another situation that is as guaranteed as the Word of God, the promise of Jesus. He's trustworthy. And when we talk about faith, faith sometimes gets very spiritual sounding. You got to have right, the right faith, and you go, I think it helps to translate that to the word trust so frequently. Can I trust Jesus? Can I place my full weight on Him? Can I trust Him with my life? Can I trust Him with my dreams? Can I trust Him with my future? Can I trust Him with my children? Can I trust Him with my grandchildren? Can I trust Him with my finances? Can I trust Him with my health? There are so many places that trust is what we, we need, and there is such freedom in being able to trust. The weight just dissipates when you know that there is one who is trustworthy with you. Trust and obey. When, when He gave us directions, the directions were there so that they would lead us towards Him. That they would lead us in a followship plan. Follow after me. And when you follow, the promise is that you can arrive. You will catch up. We will be together, and it speaks again of relationship, not of a religious sort of ceremony, but of a chance to come face to face, and that chance to come face to face is what we remember specifically on a day like today, a checkpoint Sunday, when we stop the road trip for a moment, we pull over to the side of the road, we remember God from the ancient past, we remember the, um, our recent past, we reevaluate where we are, are we where we want to be, are we following as we said we would like to follow? And if we find that we are not, we choose to refocus. We repent, we refocus, so that before we leave, we have the chance to get reset. That promise of relationship 
is in there. And I wanted to take you today to um, Matthew. Matthew chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26, starting at verse 26. This is the, uh, the live footage. Not the, the first Corinthians version is the uh, recorded and edited uh, version. But this is the live footage that we get here. Jesus, in the midst of the Passover supper that we now looking back and call the Last Supper, they didn't know. When they sat down to dinner that night, they didn't think this is the Last Supper we're going to have with Jesus. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, regular bread, and when He gave thanks because He was filled with thanks, and that was part of the relationship that He constantly exemplified to them. We are thankful to God in the midst of wherever we are, we are thankful. So he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, tore it, <coughs> gave it to his disciples that were eating there with him. We're just, it's just dinner, right? That's just what we're having. We've done this for our whole lives. This is Passover. This is what Passover looks like. And he gave it to his disciples, and he said to them, take and eat. No problem. I got that. Then he said, this is my body. And they're going, like, I, I don't know what that means. We're just having Passover. You added that line. That line is not in the script. Why would you say this is my body? And my body that's just been ripped, torn, broken. And they've got to process that because they don't get it that day. I can assure you they do not get it that day because he said, I told you. And then he died. And they go, I didn't, I didn't see that coming. And he goes, but I told you. They didn't see it coming, but that didn't stop him from being faithful. This is my body, verse 27. And then he took a cup later on in the meal. And when he had given thanks, again, he gave it to them, just like they always do in Passover. And he, he said, drink from it. All of you, please, all of you drink. 28, curveball. This is my blood of the covenant. Passover is all about the blood of a lamb and the lamb that reminds us of the story about how God saved us a long time ago. That's how God saved us. He used the blood of the lamb to mark the doors and said that we would not be killed. This, your blood? That covenant, the only covenant that they really had in their head was just about to get renamed. The covenant that they knew was just in the process, in hours, would become the old covenant. This is the blood of the covenant. And in the other place, we see it as the new covenant. The new covenant in my blood. Today, it all changes. They had no idea what it is they were eating and drinking. They had no idea how fast it was all going to change, how much in the next couple of minutes... It would set everything that they understood on its, on its ear. This is the blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. 29, I tell you, I will not drink from the, this uh, fruit of the vine from now on until, until when I drink it new, What's next? Say it. What's next? 
I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. The promise of relationship. Go tell the disciples and Peter. Relationship. Not some ceremony, although we can make it ceremonial. Not some ritual, although there's benefit in some ritual. This was a promise of relationship. I'll be back. We'll be together again. I know it will be hard for you to believe it. That's why I'm making you this promise. I promise I won't drink the fruit of this vine until that day I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And when he's saying it to the disciples, that's who's right there. But it's not just for them. These words echo throughout history with you. When we take communion today, when we choose to take these symbols when we walk through the story and, and live it out, we act it out, we choose to remember what He has offered us, then it comes to life once again for us. It, it is resurrected once again. We are reminded of the hope that is there. When we choose to take those symbols and say, with this symbol, I make this choice, a with you choice. Jesus made a with you promise to us, and communion is the way that we make a with you promise back to Him. Looking forward to the with you. In your Father's kingdom, my Father's kingdom, because, because of what Jesus did, it's not just His Father anymore. We've been adopted, sons and daughters, our family. That's what we're going to celebrate today. So, if uh, church online, if you want to get your elements ready, that's what we're going to be moving towards now. Verse 30, when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. And if you can remember, the Mount of Olives is where he goes to pray. It's also where he goes to be betrayed. He walks back into the real world. No airy-fairy spiritual stuff there. Real Rubber meets the road. Spiritual practice. What does my faith look like? What will it be like in the midst of real circumstances? That's what we do now. We participate together, then we're going to sing, and then you're going to go back out into the real, into the complicated, into the awkward work situations, messed up family places. That's when we're going to go back out and we're going to live in that way, in light of what just happened, in light of the trustworthiness of our God who is risen from the dead. That's what we're going to celebrate today. And when you choose to take those elements, no one is forced. In fact, we would encourage you, if you don't, please don't. If you don't want to, please don't. But any who are willing, any who would like to declare my choice is that Jesus would be my Lord, that I will submit to Him, I will follow after Him, I will live in trust of Him, I'll put all of my weight on Him. If that's your choice, then participate in communion. And when you do, you take those elements, you put them in, and you say, that's what I would like. I want you in me, enlivening me, empowering me, giving your essence into my essence. I would like that. I submit to you. That's what we're going to say today. If you would like to, 
welcome you to join us. We're going to go back to the system that we have used in the past. So for those of you who are at uh, Church Online, you are going to be, uh, you're going to take care of that part yourself. I can't help you with that. But here at Church on Main Street, we'll come down this aisle. We'll go up this aisle. The elements are prepared at the back. You can partake by, um, just take your, your own elements there. I would encourage you, um, as we have done in the past, if you are with someone, if you came with family, take communion together. It speaks of relationship. It doesn't just emphasize a private spiritual moment. Celebrate the Lord's Supper in relationship. Pray with me, if you will. Lord Jesus, we give thanks for the gift that you have given to us, the gifts that you have given to us, the promises that you have made. I long for the relationship fulfillment that you promise me here. And I'm stuck in this already not yet place. It's already true, and yet I don't have the fullness of the experience, and I long for that to be completed. And so as I choose to partake in communion, I ask once again that you would fill me, that you would fill my friends that are here, that you would speak to us, that you might speak through us, and that once again we would take the time to remember you, to reevaluate where we are. If we have things that need to be repented of, then God give us the freedom to repent. No guilt, no shame. We're looking towards the freedom that you bring as you bring forgiveness to us. Draw to our minds now those things that we need to process with you those elements that we have willfully done and those elements that we have willfully not done. Draw to our minds those things that we don't even realize that we have been a part of and allow us to move towards a place of righteousness before you. We take these elements to remember what you have done, to champion what you have done, to give thanks for what you have done, your body broken for us, your blood spilled for us, body and blood of Christ given for you, given for me, given for us. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Take us forward. Amen. When you're ready, come.